Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild wrong. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. On this episode, it's the death of Stalin. My name's Dan, and I'm an award-winning marshmallow roaster. My name is Jimmy, and my professor from college brought in his Emmy because he wanted us to strive for our own Emmys, but I think he just wanted to show off. What did he- Oh, sorry. Jesus. I was very curious. (laughs) My name is Jeff, and I accidentally became part of a dance parade in New York City with a stranger whose name I never knew. (laughs) Let's come back to that. (laughs) Jimmy. Yeah. What did he have an Emmy for? I think he was uh, doing a documentary. I don't remember what specifically. I don't remember if, like, the documentary won won an Emmy or, like, cinematography or something. And it was, like, his week to hold the Emmy. (laughs) No, they all get him, but he's, like, one of those things, like, one of those below-the-line people who, like, you never even hear their name on television. Yeah. Um, but uh, hey, that's cool though. Yeah, no, it was pretty cool. I was like, oh, I don't think I'll ever see this in person before. So, did he do anything douchey like pass it around or ask people if they wanted to take a picture of it? Or Get anything? on your knees and <laughs> I don't remember. It. I think we might have. I think some people asked him if he can like hold it or something. But uh, it was he is a cool professor. I thought of it because he posted a picture. I'm friends with him on Facebook. He posted a picture and cool. he looked exactly like um like a wax figure of James Bond. <laughs> Like it was like he was in a tuxedo and everything too. It was pretty funny. But uh and he was like at a party. Jeff, but, uh, let's hear about this dance parade. <laughs> yeah. So I went to it, this was 2011 or 12, I can't remember exactly which year. I went to the Black and Blue Bowl in New York City, which is yeah. just an all-day New York hardcore festival. Uh and I was waiting in line because I didn't get my ticket in advance. So like doors open at a certain time. So I'm waiting in that line and some of the people in line are talking. There was this dude that kind of looked like Jason Muse that was talking to everybody and he was standing behind me. He was talking about everything and we we're like, oh, I went to this show this year at this place and saw this band. We were just talking back and forth, having a good time. And then we had like three hours to kill before the show started. So I just walked away. And then, like, at the corner, this dude, like, met up with me, and he kept talking, and he just kept talking to the me. Jane Hughes look like? Yeah. And he was like, oh, dude, you ever go to uh, this park over here? It's, like, it's pretty chill. And I was like, no. So we were just talking and walking, and as we were walking, there was a parade that, like, was going around the corner, and we just, like, walked in the middle of it. And, like, <laughs> we didn't dance, but there were people dancing around us. And I was like, this is, like, this is kind of romantic, right? I was going to say, yeah. did you put this on misconnections? Because if you didn't get his name, <laughs> you had a nice date with someone. I, I did. I, and I never, we talked for, like, three hours. Never got the guy's name. Didn't even see him when I went back to the show. Right, let me, he might have been a guardian angel. Let me write, <laughs> let me write the misconnection for you. 2012 Manhattan outside the black and blue bowl. You Webster look, Hall. You look like Jay Muse. I look like Daniel Stern. <laughs> we had a romantic walk through the park and experienced a dance parade. It was. <laughs> I miss you. It was bittersweet. I hope he's doing well. Oh boy, that's really good. Has any one of you ever ri- written a misconnection? No. Have you? I think you have. No. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> Please tell me what it was. I don't remember. I, I did write one about someone I interacted with at a gas station one time. Oh, that's Aww. good. 
I never heard back. How often did you check back? A couple times. I think oh. they're supposed to send you a notification if oh. you get a response, but yeah. That's <laughs> super cute. No. Super sad. <laughs> That's Craigslist, right? Craigslist yeah. back yeah. in the day. It's yeah. like, yeah. This is before people started utilizing it to murder people. <clears throat> well, yeah. Did you use your fun fact before, Dan? The, the marshmallow, marshmallow award? I don't think so. Maybe we just talked about it because I think it's a very proud point of your life. <laughs> I do have an actual physical plastic I've gold trophy yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. that I keep in a position of honor in my household for winning a blind taste test marshmallow cook-off. It's pretty good. Yeah. Dan. Yeah. Do we have any ratings, reviews, emails, tweets? You're going to make me read this one, huh? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was your episode. I was attacked. Yep. This is recent, too. This is a recent yeah. review. Yeah. Uh, so we got a review, and guys, we committed to reading everything. I wish we had reassessed this policy. <laughs> I, I would like to formally uh, propose that we undertake the policy of our good friend Dave Gonzalez. His rule is he will read any review if it's five stars. So you can leave a five-star review and trash him, and he'll read it. We'll talk about that off the air because <laughs> I am going to read you a review that was posted June 12th. It's a two-star review. Two stars. In fairness, it's not a one-star. And it is referencing our third episode ever. We had previously uh, done Doctor Who. Two yes. Doctor Who's and then a Bob Dylan and there was an intro. So this our fourth is, episode. Fourth. Okay. Well, if you're counting the intro. Okay. So this is referencing the Bob Dylan episode and guys, it's scathing. <laughs> The title is Dylan Deserved a Better Advocate. All right. Let's read it and then we'll talk about it. Right. Okay. So I'm not going to pause. Don't pause. We're going to respond at the end. Dylan Deserved a Better Advocate. These may be the three dullest people in the (laughs) podcast universe. The advocate has an uneven surface level understanding of Dylan. He's sincere in his admiration, but struggles mightily to express himself. And the other two sound as if they'd like to be anywhere else but there. (laughs) They could barely talk me into listening to them. One of the guy's criticism of Dylan's music was that he was, quote, super tired of protest songs, unquote. Certainly hasn't aged well. (laughs) Nothing like pesky civil and human rights songs to expose one's privilege. But overall, there were no real insights and very little in the way of cultural or musical significance. A waste of time. So, spoiler alert, I wrote that. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I but was going to say. I don't disagree. Like, I've said multiple times on this show that the Bob Dylan episode was terrible. It was by far our worst episode. I don't disagree with that part of his review, which is that... Um, and we acknowledge this within the episode. You guys did not know how much to prepare for this. Right. right. So when I was talking to you, you were just like, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. You sounded like you did not. Yeah. I mean, be there. we did talk about it in that episode and it is very regrettable that this episode exists. Like, I wish it didn't because hey, you live and learn. I know. But I think that we started off pretty well and I think that we're still doing pretty well. Um, but this episode, no, the, like they're not wrong. It's a shame that that's the episode that they found of us first i mean here's what i'm going to disagree with and maybe this is a little self-serving and maybe i'm a little vain for feeling this way but i don't know if i would classify myself as having an only super surface level knowledge no of Dylan. i, I no. do disagree with that because you did have a lot of information out there and i mean like we're not we're not having 10 episodes on bob dylan right this like, isn't a bob dylan podcast and like yeah. 
if 10, you want an in-depth exploration of his career and his motivations martin scorsese did a yeah. pretty good documentary on it <laughs> and that sort of falls in line with other aspects of this review that um sort of attack our inability to express our points we never claim to be experts uh this is a podcast where we talk our friends into liking what we like sir sure there's certain things in our lives that we know a lot about and we could do a podcast focusing on that yeah but i think one of the things that i enjoy about our podcast is that we cover a wide range of topics like this, right. this episode is death of stalin i've seen it once and i liked it but i still want to <laughs> i want to watch it again and i want jimmy to watch right the yeah. goal is not to be experts reviewing something critically the goal is to be exposing each other as friends to things that we like yeah exactly i'm sure you know with the amount of podcasts out there there's some deep dives into bob dylan and i encourage you to seek them out I like I said I like Jeff mentioned the Martin Scorsese film. There's some books about him that I've really enjoyed. Right. Uh, that's not what this is. This is me trying to you know that episode was me trying to tell you guys why I like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, feel free to write in your uh, reviews. Feel free to drag us. And I'm going to actually talk about this a little bit more next episode. Oh. Or maybe I did last episode. Last yeah, episode. Last episode we <laughs> talked about this. Okay. We record in a weird way. Yeah. But yeah, send us an email. Uh, talk me into at gmail.com. You could even send us audio if you'd like. That would be nice. Yeah. We've had a couple people do that before. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Leave us a five-star review, I guess. Like, guys, what are we doing here? Well, yeah, if you want us to read your terrible drag of us, then leave it as five stars. Otherwise, we're not going to read your two-star and one-star reviews. I'm just saying that now. I'm I'm deciding it, guys. (laughs) We're not reading bad reviews unless they're five stars. Fun fact, we are down to a 4.0 average. Yeah. We don't have a lot of reviews, so these really hurt us, guys. Yeah. My wife refuses to review. (laughs) She probably doesn't like it. I'm like, just give five stars. I'll scratch your back and make you pasta. Like, what more do you want? It's fair trade. Oh, preggers. Every week on the show, we do a little segment that we like to do called talking ourselves into. You're, you are a peach, Jim. I yeah. love your introduction to the segment. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Can you go back in every episode and just like put together <laughs> a like compilation. a compilation of all of your introductions? <laughs> this kind is of, the thing of the time when we do this. <laughs> kind of like our theme song. Well, the second theme song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There Da-na-na-na. you go. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing that does the bow. <laughs> Every week on the show, we do a segment where we're talking about what we're talking ourselves into. Just a little fun thing that we're uh, we're trying out for the week. And this week, I am talking myself into getting a shower speaker. Ooh. Oh, I just use my phone. Oh, that's what you do? Yeah. Uh, my phone's not louder because I have the exhaust fan on and I got the shower going. Okay, so I have a shower speaker. Oh, here's what I do. I take my phone, right? Yeah. And on the top... Of the shower where it wraps around, yeah. I put the speaker right there, so it's against the wall, and that's oh, my speaker. It, the corner's my speaker. Yeah, and just listen to pods that way. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I decided to do that because uh, I guess I just been chilling in bed for longer than usual. So I'll, like I'll throw a podcast on or watch a YouTube video or something. Like most of the YouTube videos I watch, I can basically just like listen to and I get the gist of it. So it was like. Why don't I get a shower speaker? I don't know why it has to stop when I get in the shower. So Let the good times roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, is... or I just if I'm listening to music, I bring in a Bluetooth speaker and leave it right outside. It's right also a good idea too. Um, but yeah, so I did that and I'm enjoying it. I'm just. What'd like, you get? 
Uh, I could look it up. Uh, I don't, you don't have to. I was yeah. just curious, like, because I got like the most basic one that Amazon recommends for cheap, and it was like Aomis Sport Go Two. Yeah, it's called like an iFox or something like that. Okay. I don't know what it is. Um, but it's one of those that you can like stick over to the uh, stick onto the actual shower, and it's playing, and um, it's pretty nice. Like it. This is just basically I. I guess technically it's like listening to stuff while in the shower. It's not really like getting a shower speaker, but yeah, I've been enjoying actually like listening to stuff in the shower. I've been getting really into this podcast that I talked about, the Dungeons and Daddies one, um, which is pretty <laughs> yeah. funny to listen to in the shower. Um, but it's it's pretty nice to actually um, do stuff in the shower that's not just like standing there. Because like a lot of time, like I just chill in the shower to relax. Like I do it in the morning. I'm a, I'm a morning shower. Um, we don't want to know what else you do in the shower, Jim. <laughs> I just kind of stand there. But like, I, will I you like be to... progressing to the next stage of like? To me, this is what's wrong with America. But for some reason, there's like a new trend of people like eating and drinking in the shower. <laughs> Have you guys heard that. about this? Yes. I know that people drink liquor because it makes an Instagram photo. Well, they also now True. like market like beer cozies that attach to your shower wall oh for gosh. like shower beers and stuff. It's it's a thing. And I've heard of people like consuming like ice cream sandwiches in the shower and stuff. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. It the is shower. Just... Well, could you see yourself doing any of those things, Jim? No. Um, but I am enjoying listening to a podcast while in the shower. Will you get a shower chair because you're lazy? <laughs> no, I'm not that <laughs> just lazy. Just sit yet. under the water and just listen to podcasts <laughs> until your whole body is pruny. <laughs> I almost like, I think I have one of those from our grandfather that's just sitting in yeah. like storage under my like basement stairs. And I really want to give it to you now and just like know that you're using it. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't get to the uh, brand, but it, it's a nice one. It was like 30 bucks or something. All right. Yeah, I like it. Jeff, what are you talking yourself into? Okay, boys. Uh, you guys already know this. We've mentioned it at the ends of some episodes, but just based on how we record, I'm still going to say it here. I have mentioned this before that I wanted to start this, but I started a new Instagram page. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Called Magic the Clippening. <laughs> and uh, what it is is some Magic the Gathering players, which is a uh, card game. I noticed that a lot of them have uh, poor fingernail hygiene. <laughs> and I didn't know if it was because, like, just inherently they're gross or because <laughs> more people post their fingernails holding up cards online. Uh, but I started saving pictures of really gross fingernails uh, since February. And I recently started this page to bring awareness to the community and also to shame people and also for <laughs> shock value. Uh, so, yeah, I just I post about a picture a day. I have a good cash saved about 30 pictures. Ooh, so uh, we're good. I'm finding more as I follow more people. And um, as pre-releases happen, more people post. So there's a M21 pre-release maybe happening in person. There hasn't been one in a while because of quarantine. But, yeah, there's uh, there's some really disgusting pictures out there. And if you want a good laugh or just like a, ah, or a, what the <laughs> heck? Or why are you doing this, Jeff? Well, because if I have to see him, so do you. So yeah, check it out. Magic the clip binning. Jeff, I'm going to tag on because I know you're a fan of like weird uh, Instagram pages. Yeah, I love it. Like accidentally Wes Anderson. Great yeah. Page. <laughs> uh, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend you another one. It's not super prolific. They only do like a release every once in a while because it's not a full-time thing. It's just like your magic account. Yeah. There's an Instagram account. Um, called dogs from afar <laughs> that is uh run by a guy who actually produces um a basketball podcast that i listen to called no dunks he's the producer and his whole thing is that he's not allowed to have a dog where he lives and uh <laughs> he, 
but he likes dogs, so he takes pictures of dogs from afar in public. That's pretty good. Because he doesn't want to be creepy. So, yeah, check out Dogs from Afar. It's a lot of great candid shots of dogs from, like, across the street. There was another, there was a Facebook page. I think this was dog before spotting. Instagram. No, it was, like, street bread. It was just, like, a professional <laughs> photographer started taking pictures of bread that they found on the street. They lived in New York. And they just started posting them. And I think they even made a book. It's, like, it's so funny. It's it was just, funny. like, half-eaten everything bagel. And then, like, the location, like, corner of 53rd Street. I'm like, this is this is beautiful. I love this. Nice. Yeah, the Instagram you. account you're talking about, it almost sounds like there's a Facebook group called Dog Spotting, which is people posting pictures of dogs that they found. <laughs> what is New York is one of my favorite Instagram pages, too, because it's Pretty just good. random stuff in New York City <laughs> that's just bizarre. I got to follow that. That sounds amazing. Dan. Yeah. What the heck are you talking yourself into, buddy? So I have been talking myself into something that... Uh, a little more highbrow than dirty magic nails. <laughs> Some uh, of them are just long, but still, still fun. Uh, still a good thing to do. I'm talking myself into supporting local artists. Oh, so um, obviously, like right now with pandemic and quarantine, um, one of the communities getting hit hardest by all this is like local artists and craftspeople because we're not patronizing yeah. their their shows and their their things like that. Um, but also, I find that these people especially if you like know them and and you agree with them, a lot of them are using um, their platforms to raise awareness and funds for causes that, that that are important to them and important to us. So I've been using my money to support artists and causes that I care about. And I think it's something that we can all do, especially like, you know, a lot of times these people aren't at a high level of um, success. Well, not that I don't want to say success, but they're not they're not famous or anything like that. These local artists, right. so you can patronize them and help them out for a relatively small amount of money. So I want to give a shout out to a few people that I've been uh, throwing some money yeah. at. Um, so as Jeff knows, our barber who owns Barbershop Ten Forty Nine in Southington, Connecticut. I don't know if you know this or not, but he has released a photography book. I didn't know that. I haven't been there since well before quarantine. Yeah, I just... I was due for one, like, in March. I've <laughs> been uh, just talking to him online and stuff, and I knew that he was into photography, and with the quarantine, he has actually built his own um, darkroom in his house, so he's been actually developing oh, physical cool. photographs, and he has released his first collection of photography, Um it's available on a website called MagCloud. Jimmy, have you ever heard of this? No. It's one of those services where they print on demand. Oh. Um, so he didn't. it didn't cost him anything. He didn't have to get a thousand copies made or anything. When people order it, um, they print it and mail it to oh, the customer. Oh, that's really cool, actually. Um, so his name is Benjamin Nolan. He's on Instagram under the name Demon Barber... What is it? Demon Barber Benny, I think? I'm trying to remember... Anyways, your, I'll get back your to preparedness that. never ceases. to. I honestly wasn't going me. to do this until like this morning because I spoke to him about it and found out that he is donating all the funds for his book, um, which he has called Day 60. That's the name of the book. And it is uh, photographs of things he's seen in his everyday life during quarantine. That's so it's cool. a lot of like cool black and white shots of like vacant cities and stuff with his dog on the inside of his house, haircuts that he's given his family members, things like that. Nice. Um, he is donating all the funds to a good cause, which I don't have in front of me, but I believe it's the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really cool. And the other person I wanted to shout out is a friend of mine that I went to school with. Her name is Cassie Rowe. Um, she 
has a website, CassandraJRow.com, and she's a visual artist. She does paintings like acrylic and stuff like that. Uh, small canvas usually. And I just bought a bunch of prints from her. Um, and one of them, she did a portrait of Brianna Taylor and, um, she donated all the funds to, um, BYP 100, which is a, an action fund that, um, supports like black lives matter, uh, police abolition and defunding and things like that in, um, the city of Chicago. Cool. So, uh, yeah. And also like this shirt I'm wearing is from a cool t-shirt company uh it's a get out shirt yeah it's a t-shirt of get out that has black lives matter on the sleeve and they donated all the funds and that is from a design company called you might have to edit this up you're a little gonna have bit, to Jim. edit the shit out of this jim i, I come here I with it. printed notes and he's just like i'm just gonna <laughs> Jeff, wing it. this is important and i just thought of it oh, hold on hold on i know it. i just got to find their website all right, so this shirt that I got is from a company called Graveyard Goods, and they do actually a lot of like custom TV and movie apparel and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a cool shirt. I I would have gotten that, but I've never actually seen Get Out, so oh, I thought it would be weird. Oh, Jim! I know. Yeah, and Studio House Designs. All right, Dan, real quick, Death of Stalin. We'll just move that. You want to do Get Out? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, uh, yeah, support local artists, especially when they're giving money to yeah. charities that you care about. So you end up with cool art. And supporting good causes. Yeah. 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 The Death of Stalin was a film that came out in the year 2017. Yeah. That's it. After (laughs) Christ Common Era is what it is. Uh, It is a film by Armando Iannucci. Jimmy, do you know who that is? Sounds familiar. Because I mentioned it before we started recording. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's probably most well-known for creating the HBO series Veep. Okay. Dan, would you say that's his most popular work? I would. Uh, He does have a couple other things that um, he's done recently after the success of Veep. Right. Um, This being one of them. He also has launched a new series called Avenue 5 on HBO. Yeah, right. that doesn't look that great. I don't know. It gets mixed reviews. I haven't seen it, to be honest. It's sort of like a sci-fi uh, satire slash sitcom about people aboard right. a luxury cruise liner in space. Sounds like a Doctor Who episode, Jeff. Sure do. Yeah, but I think I think Jeff's right. Uh, he's most well-known for his political satire work. He also... Um, directed a, a pretty popular series called The Thick of It for the BBC. So I originally oh. learned about him because there was a movie that came out um, called In the Loop, which was The Thick of It characters, but it was like they came to America. Oh, yeah. And that was like I heard about it on NPR, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Uh, let me check that out. And I was like, oh, it's based on a TV show. Then I went back and watched The Thick of It, and that's how I knew Peter Capaldi because oh, he yeah. uh, he's a swear boy. And then yes, when he became the yes. doctor, I was like, ha-ha, I know this man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was a fan of him. So then um, when I heard about The Death of Stalin, I was like, this sounds amazing because it's mm-hmm. it's a political satire, but like done in his style, which yeah. I'm a big fan of. And I just Jim, have, are you familiar with Veep? Have you seen that? I've seen episodes here and there. So, you know what Jeff's referring to when he says his style, it's obviously like very coarse yeah. satire. It's yeah, basically yeah. he wants to show the inner workings in the the sort of like 
the grittiness, but also the incompetence of political mm. bureaucracies. Yeah. And it, the way he expresses that is usually with like, um, well, Veep is sort of known for an on the fly, like documentary style. Yeah. But it's full of like rapid fire uh, conversations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sort Veep of is very funny. It sort of reminds me of like a really <laughs> like um, sardonic West Wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way it's written very fast Agreed. and full of jargon and stuff. Yeah. Jeff, sorry to interrupt you. you no, no, that's too. fine. So this was one of the movies that came out while I had MoviePass, which MoviePass was <laughs> a service where you pay 10 bucks a month, you can go see one movie a day forever. And it, it took them dope. almost a year to realize that that's not a business. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeah. So I had it for about 11 and a half months. Yeah. And this was one of the movies I was just like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to go. I went by myself yeah. one night to like an empty theater. And um, yeah, we fleece them out of a lot of movies. Man, I miss movies. Oh, I, I, I think I saw 48 in that 11 months, yeah. which is still less than I would have liked to. But <laughs> yeah. I saw a lot of stinkers. This is not one of them. This, <laughs> this, this and Sorry to Bother You were my two favorite movies I saw with movies. I wasn't Pass. huge on Sorry to well, Bother You. You're a big dummy because it was great. I loved it. But I heard mixed things. I'm mixed on it. Okay. Well, uh, anyways, I'm not mixed on this. And 96% of the people in Rotten Tomatoes also enjoyed it. (laughs) I'm not mixed on it either. I enjoyed it. I love this. And I think one of the funniest. So, like, we talked about Animal Farm before on this podcast. And it, like, it dives into uh, Russian history, which, like, I don't know a lot about. Very base level information about Russian history. And this kind of does the same thing. But, like, you don't really need to know who a lot of these people are. Right. And one of the funniest things I think in the movie is like Steve Buscemi's in this, right? (laughs) But they also don't do Russian accents. They Mm -hmm. just like talk normally. It's like Doctor Who, everybody's British. Yeah. And it's like, it's sort of slapsticky and like really it's that veep rapid fire back and forth. It's not documentary style, yeah, but it's, it's absurd. And it was just, something it was just hilarious just i i can't exactly put my finger well on the it other thing because that it has, it, it's hell it's like it's presented as so serious but yeah. it's not yeah it's also shares in common with veep it's an exploration of the ineptitude and um just like how i can't come up with words today it, <laughs> it deals with the ineptitude of bureaucracy and how immature the political system can be so in other words these people are in charge of the course of millions of lives in russia and basically like the very loose overview of the plot is that stalin has died they don't know how and they don't know how to carry on without him and it's up to this Hmm. inner group of associates and uh people vying for control yeah they're all trying to like backstab each other and one up to determine who is going to replace Stalin mm. to lead the Soviet Union. Yeah, this seems interesting. I remember seeing previews for it at work. Uh, this movie is pretty new. It only came out like late a few years 2017. Ago. Yeah. yeah, it's very well acted, well written. Uh, as Jeff said, it stars uh, Steve Buscemi. You also get like it's a big ensemble piece. Um, he's probably the star, I would say. Mm-hmm. But you get uh, really good performances from Jason Isaac, uh, Jeffrey Tambor. He's been he's been canceled, <laughs> but he's good yeah. in it. Uh, Michael Palin's in it. There, there's a lot of people that you've it's seen. one of those movies where you're gonna go. Oh, I know that guy. I yeah. know that guy. Jason yeah. Isaacs. Yeah. Um, and it's very funny. Uh, they attack the absurdity of Soviet culture of the time, and how these guys are all like super like wealthy, controlling, high level government officials, but still have to feign like uh, proletariat Soviet aspects of their lifestyle and stuff. Hmm. And also, like, if you know anything about Stalin, um, 
he was pretty much a dictator yeah. and ruled the Soviet Union, especially towards the end of his life with an iron fist. And it delves into like what it's like living under a police state. If you didn't already know. <laughs> we do, unfortunately. I'm going to suggest that this is part of an, uh, a very stylistically uh, different unofficial trilogy in my brain, which is Animal Farm, The Death of Stalin, and the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. I still have to watch Chernobyl. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> if you watch a, them, you will understand the history of the Soviet Union. That makes about as much sense as the Cornetto being a trilogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not connected at all. But if you watch them, you're like, no. I feel like I get a vibe of what the Soviet <laughs> Union was like. <laughs> Very different tonally. But Yeah, that's funny. So Red Jim, Dawn, Rocky IV. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Just name things about Russia. I must break you. <laughs> yeah, but this is a little bit more realistic than Rocky beating the Russian and the entire stadium of Russians chanting USA. Yeah. Uh, Jim, so you don't have any exposure to this. No, I remember seeing the previews for it, but that was it. I think you're going to like it. I hope I so. I think you'll appreciate the dialogue. I'm, I've am i been wanting to watch this since it got on Netflix, but I haven't for this show. So I'm like jonesing to watch this. <laughs> Steve Buscemi is really good in it. He's one of my um one of my favorite performances of him. He's sort of bringing like Nucky Thompson, corrupt crime lord, political boss mm-hmm. energy to the role. Meets the character he played in Airheads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. The lone, the lone gunman. The Lone Ranger. Oh, yeah. The Lone Ranger's. All right, Jim. All right. So when we come back. So this is on Netflix, right? We're watching it it's on, on Netflix. Netflix. Correct. Netflix. Cool. When we come back, we're going to be spoiling the death of Stalin with Jimmy. who has Spoiler seen alert. He dies. dies. <laughs> Pretty early on in the film. The death of Stalin is a movie that Dan and Jeff Forced me to sit down and watch. And the death of Stalin is a thing that actually happened. Yep. Yeah. He died. It's a historical event. Yeah. It was a, a film by a man whose name that I don't remember. Armando Iannucci. What he just said, who is uh, from Veep fame, in the loop fame. We already talked about all of this. Fame. It's just redundant at this point, James. Yeah, but I'm just saying it just in case people are skipping right over here. Because <laughs> we are going to spoil it. Yeah, we're going to spoil the death of Stalin. Spoiler alert, he dies. We already made that joke. Haha, ha, I'm yeah. funny. Also, history spoils the film The Death of Stalin. Right, because everything that happened in here, 100% yep. historically, factually accurate. Oh, yeah? Including, they spoke English with a British accent. Yes, <laughs> except for Steve Buscemi. Yes. <laughs> Khrushchev, Khrushchev. Khrushchev spoke with a New Jersey accent. Yeah. So, The Death of Stalin starts off. Uh, I'm corn. I'm. I think I'm going to. Uh, I'm Kurt. <laughs> yeah. I'm Kurt too. I think I'm, I'm going to give kind of a broad overview of yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because um, I watched it. I didn't take a whole lot of notes. We don't have to go like beat by beat. This isn't a plot heavy film. No. No. Um, no. Basically, what happens is uh, we sort of start off, we get a, a little overview of Stalin right from the beginning. He's listening to a, a orchestral. Um, Radio uh, concert production. yeah uh, over the radio he was like hey i want a recording of that and then guys like oh yeah sure of course and then they were like everybody was starting to disperse because they already did it it was a live concert yeah so they're like oh we need to do this again and they start bringing people off from the um from the streets to sit in the audience and stuff he's like and make sure you clap at the end and stuff it was pretty funny i love how they got the conductor 
the secret police yeah. went to round up a conductor from his home and he thought he was being killed <clears throat> he yeah. like told his wife he's like just say anything you need to to protect yourself yeah and they drag him out in the street well the whole movie is people just bathroom. trying to please him like it this is one of the darkest comedies i've ever seen yeah ever because it, it's like the original conductor said like oh even stalin and then he realized it might be bugged and he's like i didn't just say what i said <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was funny um the uh, uh, the piano player basically was like against doing this re-recording because obviously he's against Stalin because as we sort of find out in as history tells you, you sort of ruled the Soviet Union with an iron fist toward the end, and um, basically he writes uh, she writes him a note and uh, puts it in the sleeve of the uh, recording that they're going to give to Stalin. And when Stalin gets it, he reads it, sort of chuckles, and then like has like a heart attack or something. A stroke. A uh, stroke. An embolism, I think. Cerebral oh, right. hemorrhage. Okay. Yeah. That's um, when your brain goes boop. He makes yeah. a dead, basically. Yeah. He uh he he falls down and he's on the ground for a lot of the movie. Huh. Um he was just like on the ground and like people are just talking about him, like over him. Yep. Which is pretty funny. He was sort of like in a coma. But I mean, even before he dies, we're introduced to the committee, which is played by all these famous people. Right. And um, and even then, like, so this is the closest inner circle to Stalin, right? This is this is like Trump's cabinet, right? If you want to yeah. compare it, except instead of firing them, he kills them. Well, yeah, yeah. When I mean, he gets fed up with them, Epstein didn't kill himself. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So like, they're like Khrushchev is making jokes and everything and making everybody laugh. And he tells the same jokes and they all like awkwardly wait for like him to laugh or they're all about to leave. And Stalin's like, let's go watch a cowboy movie. And then it shows the cabinet just sitting there like, all right, we've seen this <laughs> before. It, yeah, yeah. Like, but they're still like afraid to do anything. Cause like as right. they're leaving, uh, Barrius or Beria. Beria. Yeah. Um, who's the head of the secret police right he says goodbye to molotov he's like goodbye forever <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like he's on the list very dark yeah so yeah. Uh, this... so they still try to please him so like khrushchev has he when he goes home drunk he narrates to his wife all the jokes that stalin laughed at or didn't laugh at so he could remember what jokes to tell next time to stay in his good graces mm. it's like this part of the movie should be called like sycophant the movie <laughs> it's just like a group of like middle-aged to elderly men trying to please this crazy person yeah but even when he's dead or they think he's dead they're like still trying to impress him mm. yeah well then it becomes an interesting dichotomy so to get back to where jimmy was plot wise um he's had this embolism or whatever he's laying on the ground it's unclear whether he's dead or alive for a, a large portion of this yeah. sequence um as his cabinet, his inner circle starts to come around him, there becomes this interesting dichotomy of if he's alive, we have to prove our loyalty to him. Yes. Yeah. But also, if there's a chance he could die, can we make that happen? It becomes clear that they would all rather have him gone. Yeah. If it means increasing their political power. Yes. And, you know, because they all want to be at the top. Yeah. Safeguarding them against the secret police and stuff like that. Mm. So Jim continue on. You're doing a good job of summarizing. Uh, so basically um, they're all, as Dan was saying, they're all trying to figure out like what they're going to do. Like, should we get these doctors that are kind of crooked to sort of look at him but like are they really crooked well, i think they're just on his list because stalin and... killed all the good doctors so yeah. the only doctors are bad doctors yes yeah, so, which is pretty but funny. then they say if the bad doctors save them then they're actually good yeah yeah it's so funny. they basically decide to hire bad doctors because if they save him then great but if they don't then great 
yeah basically uh so that happens and uh the characters are sort of figuring out like what's going to happen if he dies um i don't have any of the names i don't remember specifics but uh well steve buscemi is jeff reference reference is khrushchev okay. and then i have the cast here uh simon russell beale plays uh baria who's the head of the secret pre- pre- police he's this sort of like smarmy okay underhanded guy who we find out is is pretty bad scumbag um jason isaac he shows up later as the military he was leader. so great yep um <laughs> he's the son right he's Stalin's great son. conversation uh michael no he's not michael palin oh, plays uh molotov he's like a very famous british actor i was trying to figure out the name of um these are not in any kind of order but um uh what's the name of the guy from oh now i can't even remember the show uh, Jeffrey Tambor plays Malenkov, yeah. who is um, sort of Stalin's right-hand man. He's yeah. a deputy. Yeah, the deputy. He's like the VP. Yeah. Um, there's some really funny scenes in this whole sequence where they're gathering around Stalin and remarking about how great a leader he was, but also that it's disgusting that he pissed himself <laughs> yeah. and that yeah. no one wants to stand near him. Yeah. Then they try to move the body. And, and it's so this- slapsticky and it's such physical comedy, but it's so funny. It is, and there's also like a really fun interplay. Um, even at this stage, before they know what's going to happen with Stalin, they're already like combating each other for like power and yeah. to, to place themselves above the others. And it plays out in all these really bizarre small ways, like which part of Stalin's body they're going to carry out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Like eventually, Tambor decides uh, he will carry the head because the head is the most important part and it's the heaviest part of yeah. the body. So, yeah, so there's that whole thing. And then, uh, as Jimmy sort of alluded to, um, the doctors come in. They diagnose the situation. They basically determine that there's no chance of him recovering. Um, yeah. So they start to, uh, we <clears throat> see really quickly, uh, Beria running around burning papers. Yep. Yeah. Uh, basically taking out hidden documents that he had created, uh, new lists and, uh, we see that he's formulating a plan to put himself into leadership um, by using his control of the secret police who are actually like who's in control of Moscow at the time uh, as far as like armed forces. And also he wants to wage this campaign of uh, basically like PR by releasing prisoners and preventing further executions which he initially was responsible for. Right. He wants to win the public's opinion to sort of push himself to power. Yeah. Um, but it becomes clear that he's not going to lead directly. He wants to use Malenkov, which is Jeffrey Tambor's character, mm-hmm. as a puppet because he's a bitch. Yeah. And he's yeah. also a fool. Yeah. He's very easy to control. He's vain. There's some great moments. What did you think of De- Jeffrey Tambor in this movie? Uh, I thought he was pretty good. Like, uh, like you said, he's sort of like the puppet. It seemed very like Trump nowadays, uh, with with some people that he's are very pushing easily. Him. There's a lot right. of parallels. Like, yeah, it, it's kind of funny. Like it, when they were given the autopsy, and they're like, "That's a mighty fine skull." Yeah, and yeah. I was like, "That's kind of like when Trump's doctor says he weighs 205 pounds." Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, it it was so funny when like uh there was a point where Stalin before Stalin died he like sort of like woke up and like he just pointed to this painting then everybody started so over fun. analyzing that's it that's the best part like of he's the trying movie. to point out his successor and they're like trying to move in front of his finger <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, points, he points to like the nurse and yeah. she's like me <laughs> and then they're like oh it's the painting and the painting was like of a young shepherd girl holding a lamb 
holding a lamb yeah. and like feeding it milk from a horn yeah. and they're like trying to discern the meaning like this is some great allegory it's like yeah oh no no he is the shepherd yeah and and the lamb is the people it was just really funny because it's like the over analyzing when the person is like just staring pointing at something oh yeah he really totally good. was gone yeah no point. he was just out there and um, then like khrushchev um we should say like basically this works down to two faction which is Beria versus Khrushchev. Yeah. And um, Khrushchev played by Steve Buscemi um, runs out of the room and starts to sort of like um, at this point, he starts to try to gather forces now that it's clear that Stalin's not going to recover. And in fact, he does end up dying while Khrushchev is out of the room. He's starting to rally his support within the inner console. Mm -hmm. And the way he's going to do that is, he wants to be um, a reformer mm. and he wants to bring reform back to Russia. He wants to allow uh, the churches to reopen, cancel the executions, things like that. And he, as we mentioned earlier, he's sort of beaten to the punch by Beria through yeah. Molotov. Is it Molotov? I just said this. Mol- Mol- Molokov. <laughs> sure. Whatever. whatever. Through Jeffrey Tambor's Molinkov. Which is not what Khrushchev was expecting. No, he gets put on funeral duty. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another method that he tries to use to usurp power is to contact Stalin's children. Because he knows right. that they hold political sway, at least in the eyes of the people. Right. So he he gets in touch with uh, Stalin's daughter, who is an interesting character. Uh, Svetlana. She, yeah, she basically... Uh, she's a little bit uh, stubborn and... She at first she kind of seems like a voice of reason because she's the only one that seems to be actually concerned about her father as a human being and not just right. as a holder of power. Um, but then you realize that she short sort of has her own stake in the game. Yeah. Uh, which is that um we find out later later she wants to use her uh namesake and her political power to free one of her former friends or lovers from the gulag yeah who's dead yeah <laughs> and oh Barius right. is like i'm gonna try to bring them back there's also like some really funny parts um uh baria frees the wife of um one of the inner council members who had previously been charged with treason and you know acts against the state and stuff like that and um he has to the, the characters have to sort of reckon with all these like fast changing things. And and it goes to show you how like brainwashed everyone is, is like, Oh, what would you do if I said that your wife uh, could be freed? And the man is like, I don't want her. She's a treasonous pig and, mm. and she deserved to die. And he's like, well, actually she didn't die. It turns out our evidence was incorrect and she's been vindicated. And he's like, oh, thank God. There was never (laughs) any evidence. Like, you have to change on a dime like that. Even the people in power are like that, too. They're all just brainwashed and trying to not get killed. It's super funny. And one of the, uh, I mean, we're just jumping all over the place. But when they were leaving Stalin's uh, house, 
um the scene with all of them trying to leave in cars at the same time and be first yeah. was so funny like i didn't know you could do slapstick with vehicles but you can <laughs> because that had me dying like i knew it was going to happen because i saw the movie before but watching it again is just so funny that was funny they all like were getting in the car and then yeah, they all like, had to get out <laughs> just to uh, like stand and like basically just to like respect the body exactly. or whatever leaving and then immediately when the car started to go they all like rushed and get in the car and then they're all trying to get out so it's good. And then there's a um a jockeying of who's gonna get to transport Svetlana. Um mm. so as Jeff alluded to, they sort of forced Khrushchev into planning the funeral, which is another power play. He wanted to be named um Mal- Malentov's uh deputy. Yeah. But instead uh Beria was named that and they forced Khrushchev into party planning committee. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. He's he's the Angela um of the committee. <laughs> I love these like uh, board scenes um they're so good and they do this really interesting thing which is to show what we've been talking about without ever saying it which is that not only do they for- force a quorum but they force unanimous con- unanimous votes for everything like the idea is supposed to be that everyone just unanimously agrees but really it's just a case of coercion and once the tide starts to turn there's followers who will just vote along with you know the majority even Khrushchev relents and ends up voting for his own assignment, <laughs> even though he's fundamentally against it. Yeah. But the movie's barreling towards this funeral, basically. Right, yeah. Um, we're introduced. We saw Khrushchev get um, Stalin's daughter on his side and say that, like, you know, I would never let any harm to come to you. And she's like, why would any harm come to me? Yeah. So there's this veiled threat. Well, we see mm-hmm. Beria try to get control of Stalin's son. Mm-hmm. he's an interesting character oh yeah he was so great when he showed up at the uh the autopsy like, yeah yeah um it, Gun, literally guns a blazing yeah <laughs> that was probably my favorite scene in the movie because i had one of my favorite lines i've heard in a while which is uh as soon as he um uh, basically he's like all like messed up because they're literally like autopsying his father and um he was like he looked at the doctor he was like how old are you the doctor went i'm old but he's not and then he's like no you're not and you look like a testicle um it, it was just really you're made funny. of hair yeah it, it was just one of the, my favorite lines i've i've heard in a while yeah it was really good there was some great moments in there uh we find out that the son is basically a drunk a conspiracy theorist and ba- was sort of responsible for the crash of the plane crash that killed the entire national hockey team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, what do I know about weather conditions? I'm not a meteorologist. <laughs> he forced the plane to fly anyways. That's funny. In an ice storm. Um, but yeah, then we get to the funeral. Uh, also another great scene, too, when they're trying to... Steve Buscemi and Jeffrey Tambor trying to switch... or. Uh, Steve yeah. Buscemi wants to switch Who positions. Who invited the bishops? I'm like, let's <laughs> yeah. switch positions. We can make it look like it's part of the ceremony. <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? Steve Buscemi, Khrushchev is just standing in front of him, and eventually he relents and goes back to his spot. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to say in praise of Jeffrey Tambor's performance, uh, not that he's maybe a great guy in real life, we found out, yeah. but uh, uh, he does something with Molotov that is really good, which is that um, and I'm sure this was all in the writing, but his performance, they add this vanity to him that right. he's not just like a simpering fool. The way that he's controlled by Beria and Khrushchev is through his vanity. Yeah. So there's some really funny stuff in here where um, he wears a girdle. Yeah. And he's basically been caught out dying his hair and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, 
they sort of use that to coerce him. Like, oh, Barry is like, are you wearing a, are you wearing a corset? And he's like, it's a, it's a male girdle. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I won't tell anyone. Like they're again, yeah. they're, they're basically like playing him, right. blackmailing him. And there's this whole like subplot of um, them trying to recreate a very famous photo of Stalin with a young like um, shepherd girl. Yeah. And uh, Molotov wants to bring the shepherd girl back. They can't mm. find her. They audition other girls. It's it's this whole running thing that's very funny. And then they find the girl and she's like, she's too old now. Yeah. And he's like, just get me a girl that looks like her. Yeah. But yeah, the funeral sequence is awesome. I love all that stuff. I love uh, the speeches. Uh Stalin's son insists on giving us uh, a eulogy, which is terrible. And uh, they coordinate the time of his speech to coincide with the flying over of the jets. So his speech gets completely <laughs> blared out. And then yeah. they just basically clap him off the stage. Yeah. Um, and then during this whole funeral sequence, we're introduced to Jason Isaac's character, which, as Jeff said, is one of my favorite performances in the movie. Yeah, he was great because he played it straight, but he was just like all jokes. Like he was just messing with Khrushchev the whole time saying like you know are, are you trying to bribe me are you threatening me mm. i should report this and then like khrushchev he khrushchev's in the committee and he's like getting scared and then he's like ah, i'm just messing with you. yeah yeah he plays zukov who's like the head of the red army he's mm. a war hero and um he's sort of this brazen over the top alpha male type character <clears throat> oh yeah and um so khrushchev quickly like coerces him to be on his side and um <clears throat> so Khrushchev makes a power play that does not go well, mm. which is that um, Beria is controlling Moscow with the secret police, and he has shut down the trains to limit the flow of people into the city um, because he's afraid the city is going to be overrun and it'll be unruly and there's no way they could police them. Uh, Khrushchev... I think it's sort of unsaid, but I think he views himself as more popular with the people. So he wants to allow the people into the city. So he restarts the trains. And what ends up happening is the city is flooded with people. There's a confrontation outside uh, Red Square. And the secret police kill 1,500 innocent civilians, which is crazy. Oof. And um, yeah, so Khrushchev is sort of over a barrel here. Beria has political clout on him. Everyone's mad that this went down, and and Beria plans to basically scapegoat, use Khrushchev as a scapegoat. Right. So Khrushchev counters that by working with. Uh, oh, that was odd. What Jimmy just the snapped heck? a spring. <laughs> it's fine. I thought uh, he was playing guitar and a string snap. <laughs> uh, so Khrushchev allies himself with Jason I- Jason Isaac's character uh, Zakov. Zukov, whatever, Zubinepesh. to basically flood the city with the Red Army, and they're going to they're going to basically do a coup. I don't know if that's the verb I should use. Do a coup? Yeah, they're going <laughs> to. You guys want to uh, do a coup later? Yeah, yeah I'm down do to do one. Uh, I got a few coups to do. So, Jim, what did you think of this section where they're now uh, Khrushchev is responsible for getting all the members of the council on his side to overthrow Beria? Um. I don't remember this part of the movie. Oh, this is like they were secret like agent planning. Him. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, they, they decide it's going to go down right after the funeral. And uh, all the soldiers have their weapons taken away. But Zukov is wearing this huge trench coat and he opens it up to the soldiers. And he's like, man, I have your dates for the evening. And one of them's like, I'll take the tall blonde. And he just pulls this gigantic machine gun out of Zukov's coat. 
I've, for some reason, at this section of the movie, I found it really hard to pay attention to it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This is like plot-wise, the most plot in the movie. Everything yeah. else is just scheming. Like the last 15 yeah. minutes of the movie is all plot. Yeah. I don't know. I just at, at this point, I just don't remember that much about it. Well, they basically have members of the Red Army hidden throughout this building. I don't I don't know where they're at. Some government building. Mm. <clears throat> and the idea is they're going to call a quorum. And Beria thinks that he's going to throw Khrushchev under the bus for the, the killing of the innocent people. Mm-hmm. But Khrushchev has coordinated um, with the rest of the council to overthrow Beria. So they have this board meeting and Khrushchev installs a button under the table, which will alert a squadron of right, Red Army members this. who are yeah. hiding in the bathroom. So basically they have this meeting and uh, Beria starts to initiate this process of what he thinks will lead to Khrushchev's undoing. Yeah. But um, Khrushchev basically takes over the meeting and says that, no, they're going to hold a quorum to vote Beria out and declare him uh, treason and crimes yeah. against the state and all this good stuff. Uh, they have hinted throughout the movie that Beria has been using his power to rape and molest women. Yeah. And that's one of the main parts of his uh, his uh, accusers. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically their case against him, along with, uh, you know, making a power play. So there's this interesting thing where they're pressing the button for the Red Army to come in and everything's moving really fast. And they're all in agreement, but they haven't officially gotten Mal- Malentov on their side. Oh, motorcycles. Cool. Gotta cool. Go fast. They have big penises. Um. So he's like, sign the damn document. He's like signing. Basically, they want it to be unanimous yeah. again. So there's that whole moment. And then, uh, yeah, the the Red Army rushes in. Yeah, they all like fall over each other to try to hit the button, which was pretty comical. Yeah. And then Beria tries to run for the window. Yeah. Um, it's pretty funny. And at the last minute, uh, Zukov, Jason Isaacs, comes in and uh, punches Beria in the face. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, He's like, Molotov, what are you going to do? We just need your signature. And he's like, he carries a knife on his ankle. So at the last minute, he, mm. just like we've seen throughout the film, he goes along with the crowd, even though he doesn't agree with it. And then uh, what would you think of the end? I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking here. Uh, basically, <laughs> uh, they find him, they give him a little quick trial. They find him guilty mm. and uh, they shoot him in the head. That's how you explain it? It's like the most... Uh, it well in a way that's kind of well, a good explanation because in the film it is very unceremonious. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah that's they're what like I chasing mean. him and like some sh- soldier shoots him and even Jason Isaacs like looks at him like all right like <laughs> yeah like, uh, like that was either it. he wanted to do it or yeah. like they wanted it to be like this big a firing thing. squad yeah. or something yeah. instead they have this like de facto trial which isn't a trial yeah. it's in like this fa- like barn. Yeah. And they're just like, you stand accused of blah, 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 blah. You're sentenced to death by shooting. And he's like, no, no, no. And he's like screaming and fighting back and stuff like that. And they're like dragging him outside to this courtyard. And like, as soon as the door opens up and he's like one step outside, a random soldier just shoots him in the head. And they're like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what I meant by it. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That it was just like, it's dead. And then there's like this very dark, very upsetting thing which is throughout the course of the film they've gotten you to sort of root for khrushchev and his little coup because mm-hmm. they've shown you what a bad guy barry is 
But then I think it's like this starkness of how he's killed, how fast and yeah. unceremoniously. And they just light him on fire. They pour gasoline yeah. on him and light him on fire. And they're so happy about it. And there's this moment yeah. where one of the guys turns to the other guy and he goes like, Stalin would love this. <laughs> and it's just so dark because you're like, mm, they're all like such scum. Yeah. And then there's a little, uh, like, I guess, scene at the end where yeah. they sort of catch you up on what ended up happening right, to everyone. Yeah. Which is that Khrushchev led for so many years until he was overthrown by so-and-so and the camera just pans up. Yeah. And he's just like looking I at him I thought that was angrily. pretty funny. That's yeah. really good directing. It, it was pretty good. So, Jimmy, do you have any overall thoughts about the film? Overall, um, I, I definitely see that uh, there are definitely some moments in here that were definitely some LOL moments because there are some, it is a very dark comedy. Um, I thought it was a little too political for my taste um, with, uh, uh, I don't know. It, it sort of felt like um, it, it sort of took the uh, funniness of Veep but added in like the, the more like political like oh I'm gonna overthrow you and stuff like that of like um, House of Cards. So political when you say political, you don't necessarily mean like historically political. You mean no. more along the line of like these backroom dialogue right, sessions yeah. and like wagering for yeah. power and stuff. I think just because the fact that it is like obviously this is like the Russian government. I don't know like who's who. I don't know what the roles are of people. I don't think you even need to because I know. <clears throat> basics like i'm not a, a russian history buff at all i know very very little yeah. about it yeah before um, the movie i i knew stalin khrushchev and beria and was, i knew the name molotov That's, i didn't even know that i molotov knew cocktail. i knew stalin was a guy i didn't really know that much about him um so basically, but, I mean, basically you but just, jimmy you read animal farm so you should have yeah, had a little okay because you yeah, know the true. stalin is napoleon right? yeah yeah um uh, I think that it was just a little too hard to follow, in in my opinion, for someone like me. Okay, D Jim, you're not stupid. Jeff, I know you that you don't I'm have not. to sugarcoat it. You're a smart boy. <laughs> you have any final pushes? Not really. I mean, I think that even if you don't like the politics, like you have to admit that it was hilarious. And even if you don't watch it again, I want a yes if you enjoyed it. That's all. The, the only final push I would say is that, as we alluded to earlier, um, and I don't think it's unique to this administration, I think, sadly, uh, there are parallels between so many. this film yeah. and a lot of what we're dealing with I in American agree. politics right now. And uh, like we see in Veep, which is a more direct correlation to modern day American politics, um, but I think one of the powerful things about political satire is... Uh, it is sort of an incognito way to inform yourself about the inner goings on. Mm. In other words, and, and it's, the, it can sneak ideas into your head through the veil of yes. comedy. And the yeah. thing is, like, this came out in 2017, so it was likely written and filmed prior to 2016. Mm. And you still see these parallels. I think that there was a connection to the Trump administration, if not directly, then an assumption of what it would be, which right. turned out correct. Yeah. yeah. But anyways... Okay, Jimmy. Okay. Did Dan and I talk you into the death of Stalin? No. So you wanted Stalin to live? Is that what you're <laughs> saying, Jim? Is that what you're saying? Um, I, I just, uh, 
I, I didn't like it. it. I didn't. I knew it was coming. He barely talked this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found it really hard to follow. I thought some of the moments were really funny. Um, it, it wasn't for me, boys. Mm. See, I mean, there is a lot of political intrigue comedy, which I wasn't sure if you'd be into. But I will say, in defense of the film, I think even if these were fictional characters or if they were replaced with, say, um, titans of corporate industry or something mm. like that, I think it still works. I yeah. think anytime people are making a power play where there's a vacuum at the top, this works. Mm. See, like I remember trying to watch In the Loop and I couldn't get into that either. I, I think it just that. yeah, I think it might just be this, this director. Writer director. Yeah. Uh, you... I've seen some Veep and I thought it was fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just can't get into the style. Wasn't super into the, the comedy. I thought it was okay. All right, Jim. I'm upset. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, I'm depressed. Yeah. I'm not even mad at you. I'm just sad for your soul. <laughs> I, I do have to say, I loved seeing a bald Steve Buscemi and a Jeffrey <laughs> Tambor with a wig. Yes. Yeah, that was good. In the meantime, what are we doing next week, boys? Next week? We are doing one of your topics. So what are we doing, Dan? Oh. Guess. I'm going Five, to guess that I'm talking four, you into three, the Netflix series two, Umbrella one. Academy. You are. You're correct. Oh. You got it. Guys, have you heard of the Umbrella Academy? I've watched most I have. of it. Oh. oh. We got an interesting one here. Yeah, we sure do. Okay. Might be trying to change Jeff's existing opinion. I guess so. <laughs> and Jimmy, you've never seen it. No, I've never seen it. Never read it. All right. Well, we're going to talk more about it on the next episode, but season two is coming out and I'm going to talk you into season one of the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Okay. What are we watching? I don't know. Dan doesn't know. I'll tell you next time. Okay. Because there is a little twist to that. Oh boy. In the meantime, Jimmy, where can people find the podcast online? They can find the podcast at talk me into on twitter talk me into on facebook if you feel so inclined you can send us an email at talk me into at gmail.com tell jimmy about how much he uh, needs to be politically informed because apparently he's not um <laughs> he needs to uh watch some more you need like to know that. the inner workings of the ussr james apparently um and uh yeah you can also uh support us on patreon patreon.com slash talk me into i think we're gonna be doing some more stuff on there very soon it's gonna be a blast boys also find us on youtube search up talk me into you'll find some videos on there that we have some highlights some lowlights it's all <laughs> gonna be good yeah jeff where can people find you online people can find me on twitter at jeffff27 that's jeff with five f's the number 27 and on instagram at large hard on collider dan where can people find you on the internet i'm on the twits send in tweets uh under the name danny underscore breakdown jimmy how about you they can find me at son of a fitch s-o-n-n-a-v-a-f-i-t-c-h on twitter and instagram thank you for listening to talk me into what will we talk you into next some shit i don't like (laughs) i I haven't seen this in a long time i've only seen it once isn't this fairly new 2018 17 i haven't seen this in a long time i'm thinking like 10 years ago no i haven't seen it since it came out though my name is jimmy and my professor from college brought in his actual emmy in because he wanted to 
he wanted us to strive in for his own. Do you want to? Yeah, let's yeah. Do I gotta again. start. This. <laughs> Don't delete this. But It'll be start at the over. End. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, put this at the end of the episode. But if you really want an in-depth review, you know what Jeff and I found out? There's a podcast called Record Roundtable. Oh, really? Yeah, and they they do have an episode about Bob Dylan. I don't. I didn't listen to any of it, but uh, yeah, check that out if you want. Maybe they'll. I thought find you were us. gonna say they dragged us somewhere. No, that would be funny though. Maybe that's maybe them. they'll become best friends. Like, yeah. oh, I didn't say who left it. Who cares? Okay. Yeah, f- that guy. Sorry, Jim. It's. Cool. I just followed Ben on Instagram. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, did I give it correctly? Is it Demon Barber Benny? Demon Barber underscore something. Can you say it so Jimmy has it? And then Jimmy just act like Jeff's interjecting. Demon Barber underscore Benny. Yeah, you're not on mic. Demon Barber underscore Benny. Thanks. You're welcome. Great. <laughs> Can't have to do so much editing. That's cool. Give you a little chore. <laughs> Oceans rise. Empires. We have seen you really each got other there. through it all. Cause when push comes to, to shove, I will send a fully armed battalion oh. to remind you of my love. Da 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 da. All right. Da 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 da. This is the amount of notes that I wrote, by the way. That's about the same as that's it. This is the amount of notes I wrote. Remember when Jeff was like, Broadway musicals are stupid. (laughs) I'm just singing the polka, dude. No, I always like If Weird Al didn't do it, he would not be singing it. No, I listened to the soundtrack a few times before that song even came out. But still, you wouldn't be singing it right now. You're right. Do you have scotch tape on your case? No. Is that the case that has the Quentin Tarantino quote on it? Did you say that because I say yes that? every week, and, and I still think it every time I see it. It's like the shittiest case I've ever owned, but it's effective. Can you please say it's effective to the beat of the electric slide? It's effective. It's effective. You can move it. It's effective. Boogie woogie woogie. Me no said that means no me I go blame. A licky boom boom down. The deck of the man said that is no me step someone down the lane. A licky boom boom down in form up. That's enough of that. Get a fake patois. Remember when you guys did that cover of that on IC3? Yeah, that was cringy. You guys were cool. It's karaoke.